Welcome to the Scariest Things Podcast, your gateway to the trends and tropes of the horror genre. This is episode 131. Stay out of the woods. Don't touch anything made of wicker. Don't eat those mushrooms. We are talking about folk horror. I am Liz Williams, and I'm joined as always by Eric Lee and Mike Campbell. So this is OG horror. Oh yeah, this is yep. <laughs> this is pre-OG. And we're recording this on um, Thursday, September thirtieth, and it's Eric's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Eric! Oh, that's right. And, he is. And... Uh, <laughs> go. <laughs> I am an ancient as the woods. Fifty-two. Eric is old but... enough to participate in the midsummer ritual. Yes, <laughs> but I'm also, I think. Uh, at least six months younger than Mr. Campbell. Yes. And uh, we also just recently missed Liz's birthday. So in yep. order to rectify I am that. I younger than both of you guys. In, in order to rectify that really quickly, happy birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Liz and Eric. And me. Happy birthday happy to birthday you. Happy birthday to me and you. Happy Yay. birthday to you. <laughs> All okay, right. that's uh, that's the now that we got podcaster self indulgence. <laughs> now that we got <laughs> birthdays out of the way, because I think, well, I think you know, I think birthdays are definitely steeped in tradition and lore and lore, which is all about folk horror. Yeah, yep. and and it sounds like Liz, you might have actually come up with a definition of folk. Okay, I have a little bit of help from a gentleman named Martin Waits who wrote in the Strand magazine that, get ready, this is going to be wordy because that's folk horror. (laughs) Folk horror thrives in liminal spaces, in the gaps between worlds, in landscapes of rough earth and gnarled old trees with humming pylons stretching overhead, in the half-imagined things glimpsed in the wooden wooded shadows out of the corners of eyes making hiking visitors quicken their steps. In the feeling that no matter how alone one feels sitting by a lake or on a moor, one can... One can't shake the feeling of being watched and followed or walking through a picture postcard pretty village and noticing strange objects and fetishes hanging on all the front doors. Those liminal spaces are a folk horror breeds and spreads. Nice. And I think that's pretty accurate. Totally. totally. Folk horror to me is like a vibe. Yep. 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 And, and it does exist sort of out of the corners of your, mm-hmm. on, on the edges of, of your vision kind of a thing. Yep. It's a it's a it's Liminal. a it's a prehistory it's a prehistory vibe that is I think it's founded in using uh, using superstition rites and rituals as a way to make sense of things that you simply can't make sense of. Yeah. I also, right. and they yeah. may be and I think in you know in certainly in the movie that's that's making its way through the festival right now that came out in 2021 that we reviewed mm-hmm. for South by Southwest Woodlands Dark mm-hmm. Days Bewitched a history of folklore they cover that sort of like that weird kind of pre pre Christian ritual rites you know pagan uh, idolatry etc that um, I think right now I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it. I'm gonna throw this out there. This mm-hmm. might be a little wild, but I think right now why folk horror is the hot ticket and why so many horror directors are into folk horror is because I think we're at this this bridge point in history where um, obviously we're we're deep into the industrial age, but I think there's this there's this distinction between this rapid and massive techno- technological advance mm-hmm. and how technology has just consumed our every 
last element of our day that people are looking mm-hmm. for something. They're yeah. like going back to it, the earth, well, going back to prehistory and trying to find something that's not as no, as no digital element yeah. to it at all. Technology is replacing our traditions. Yep. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's what I think. Uh, well, that's, I think, yeah. And, and, and I could see people certainly latching on to that for sure. And this is, I think there's something else that's really soulful about about uh, folk stories, and, right. and whether they're horror or not. But it's generational. These are things. Totally, these yeah. are things that your parents told you, that their parents told them, and so on and so on. So it's uh, it has come down and changed throughout the years. Um, and, and now you kind of get spoon fed some of this stuff by Walt, the Walt Disney corporation, <laughs> whether it's in the form mm-hmm. of their, their princess stories or star Wars, yeah. you know, that, that, that these are, the, these, these are the modern myths, but you look back at something like Snow White and the seven dwarves and it goes way back and it had yep. darker, darker pinnings made palatable by Walt Disney. And, you know, I think the brothers Grimm would be rather shocked to see that these cautionary tales of of warnings about how to how to behave as a child or something will come get you right you know be it the big bad wolf or you know some some a troll under the bridge or whatever it might be those were sort of things like don't go playing under bridges yeah don't talk to strangers yeah a lot of this kind of stuff or even back to really old stuff like uh, native american traditions right and and uh, and and legends and myth where we start crossing into religion, right? And and myth, and and folk folk stories. I think it's all yeah, because because every because like almost every goddamn country on the planet was covered in woodlands, dark days, mm-hmm. bewitched. Mm-hmm. I mean, they covered yep. they covered uh, you know um, the U.S. They covered Britain. They covered. Uh, Scandinavia. They covered Brazil. They yeah, covered Eastern Europe. They didn't. Uh, they Jungles. Might, they might not have covered. Yeah, but they. You yeah, know, it's they, a different kind. Of, I mean, there's there's different kinds of different kinds of stories coming out of there. But yeah. But you do. But you're 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 absolutely right because it is it is at its I think at its core it's it's um, a lot of these films really focus around and I, I think it's interesting because it's it's like such a such an awful close cousin to which witches and witchcraft mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. witch horror but they really do focus a lot around religious repression that hits that hits on you know sort of the the tried and true trope of <laughs> of sexual repression and kind uh-huh. of and fear of fear of women and fear of you know yeah. women's ability to actually stand up and be part of the community they they, they sort of get <laughs> they they sort of get at some of those things too yeah well that they are societal markers yeah oh yes i like that Societal, uh, yeah. societal markers. That's going to be the name of the podcast. Societal markers. <laughs> there you go. This episode, not the pod. We're not changing the name. To be clear, we're not changing the name of the podcast to societal, societal marker. markers. No, because yeah, I, that's what we will call this we'll, episode. We'll lose all you know, half dozen. How many Patreon contributors we got? So yeah. societal markers. But in the horror world, um, again, uh, Woodland's Dark Days, it. it it lays down not a societal marker. It lays down a cinematic marker, and it says the the unholy trinity is Witchfinder General, Blood on Satan's Claw, and Wicker Man. And, and those a, are all British, so yeah. we're thinking yep. the Brits are the kings of this. That, I think. that that's yeah, that's that's what they say. And yeah, um, 
yeah, maybe yes, maybe no, but but they my selections are gonna agree with them. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Well, let's. <laughs> well, should yeah. we should we jump into your selections, or did you yeah. have something else? No, you I was, I was, I, you I were gonna say something else about societal markers. Let's let's. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, let's go ahead and, and kick off with Liz because yeah, uh, I think she has. And she's promised that she's bringing it with lots of notes today. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've got notes. I've notes, got notes. Notes, this notes, is... notes, notes, notes. In my old age, I write <laughs> notes, and I'm wearing glasses to read them. Um, okay, I am going on a folk horror exploration with one director for all three of my films, oh, and love I it. am love picking it. all Ben Wheatley films. Nice. So. Ben Wheatley is an English filmmaker and screenwriter. He started out in advertising, but then he transitioned into feature films and programs. He's uh, married to a woman named Amy Jump, who is the screenwriter for many of his films, including two out of three of my picks. And I'm going to begin with number three, which is 2013's A Field in England. So... Some ways, this is his most accessible film, if you're not a horror fan, because it's not really bloody. But in other ways, it's completely unaccessible, because I was looking up words while I watched this movie, and you (laughs) have to concentrate to watch this. Did you have to watch it with subtitles? um, Oh, heck, yeah, I did. I can't (laughs) understand what they were saying. I mean, they're speaking in Old English, you know, with, like, Irish accents, (laughs) so it was very hard to understand. Yeah. Double whammy. So this stars Reese Shearsmith as Whitehead, Michael Smiley as O'Neill, and it is amid the Civil War in 17th century England, a group of deserters flee from battle through an overgrown field. They become captured by an avowed necromancer who terrorizes them into helping him find a stash of buried gold while they're under the influence of hallucinogenic mushrooms. So (laughs) (laughs) if that doesn't like... It folk horror on the head. I, I don't know what does. Um, like I said, I had to look up a lot of words, you know, just for like old English things. It, this is actually, though, a really, really funny film if you can get over kind of the horrific things that are happening in it. But then also, it's not going to be for everybody. I mean, there's two minutes of them just like tugging on a rope and <laughs> there's like another... <laughs> Minute and 45 seconds and then just like screaming and then everybody's (laughs) stripping, like just looking up into the sky, tripping out. So um, it's it's a a great film. Summer in Eugene, (laughs) that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. (laughs) So I have some um, little notes here from Matt Seitz from Siskel and Ebert. When he reviewed it, he said, there's something to be said for a film that plainly could not care less what anyone else thinks about it. A field in England is not timid or focus group. It's gritty, grimy, and often nasty aspects are part of a tradition that reaches way back to the Canterbury Tales. And that's a fact that might be easier to see if Wheatley's style wasn't so aggressively avant-garde. This is, after all, a movie in which half the story occurs while major characters are on the influence of hallucinogenics, picturing their colleagues moving super slow motion or staring blankly at an ever-expanding hole in the sky where the sun once was. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an acquired taste. It took me a couple times of starting to watch this movie and then being like, I don't know, this is boring, to get through it. And once I finally did, it really is hilarious. It really is cool looking. It really is artsy. And it is a great way to enter 
the Ben Wheatley universe, especially for some of our scaredy cats. Yeah, because uh, so. some of the some of the stuff that you're going to offer up later is most assuredly Not. going to send you into uh, paroxysms of yes, uh, uh, just you know spasms of fear is, is mm-hmm. what I know that's that is coming. The, that's the new podcast name: paroxysms spasms of, of spasms fear. of fear. Uh, yeah, I like that. Like that. Like that. <laughs> kind of an awkward phrase, but yeah, okay. No, you know what? You know what I love. <laughs> I I love about this film is that, and, and you talked about this, Liz, is that it really doesn't cater to anybody, and it it's got kind of no. this early seventies kind of independent film quality to it, where mm-hmm. it's just like. It's like we're gonna try stuff. We're gonna throw spaghetti against the wall. We're gonna see what sticks. We don't really care if you like it or not, but it's gonna look interesting. It's gonna really feel interesting. The other oh, thing, it I, sure does. The other thing I will say about this film is that it has the best horror movie poster in probably the last oh, 20 for beautiful sure. Poster. The poster 20 years. is amazing. Yeah, great film. Great yeah. film. I like it. It is a great film. Good. All right. What you got? Who's All right. Next? I'm going right to the, again, uh, right to the top of the mountain. This is a film that was uh, this the screenwriter who did the film. He was said he was inspired partly by the Manson family and par- partially by the Mary Bell child murderers in Great Britain. This, of course, is part okay. of the, this is part of the unholy trinity. This is 1971's Blood on Satan's Claw. Um, nice. I had not seen it. Uh, this fi- this is a film that was directed by Piers Haggard. Uh, originally, they offered uh, a couple of the roles to Peter Cushing, who declined because apparently his wife was uh, ill. And then they also offered it to Christopher Lee, but his fee was too high. So they went with Patrick Weimark, uh, who plays one of the main characters, who plays this judge, this sort of evil uh, kind of uh, semi witch finder ish uh, general type of uh, type of judge, but uh, it, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating fascinating watch. As I say, it is at the sort of the epicenter of full core, and it's I rewatched it this week because there is you don't have to get a you don't have to watch a a, a VHS copy anymore. There is <laughs> okay. a brand new Blu Ray copy of it that you can get, and it's it's worth watching. Uh, it's essentially set in the early uh, 18th century. It follows a residents of a, a rural village, and they are out digging around in their fields, and they discover this horribly disfigured fiend. Oh. Uh, this fiendish face. Um Kind of quite messy, actually. It's sort of like... A little bit. Yeah, it it's does. Like, look it, what we found. Yeah. Um, a local farmer unearths it, uh, and then he goes to the judge and insists the judge look at it. Uh, the judge says, no, you're just being superstitious. Uh, meanwhile, a uh, young gentleman brings uh, his fiance to meet the judge, uh, and then she falls into a fit of likely sort of uh, satanic paroxysms. Uh, <laughs> that again. <laughs> but there I is, love our next podcast. <laughs> yes. There is a great, great scene at the very beginning, uh, which is funny because, Liz, when, when I was watching it, I was reminded of the gentleman from The Strangers who, who claimed the sort of... Uh, ah, the, Kip the, Weeks. Yes, Kip Weeks, who claimed the, smir- <laughs> the smirk... Head nodder. The, the smirk and the, and, the head, and the head tilt. Patented it. And I was like, oh my yeah. God, because this, this basically what's happening is this the woman who is befallen by Satanism is walking down the stairs with this incredible 
incredibly evil smirk on her face, and she kind of tilts her head, and then they it pans down to her hand, which is this. It's kind of got this uh, long. Uh, sort of gown and their her hand a is gnarly claw it's a claw and it oh cool it freaked me like clean <laughs> clean out but the thing that's great about this film not only is it you know it's got this great folk horror tale to it but it also has because eventually what happens is the the satanism the this demonic element that nobody can understand infects all the children in the village and the children start to act up and start to K-I-L-L. That's a, that's, a, that's a British specialty is killing it, kids. It is. For and, sure. And they're super freaky, and they have, they actually have, there is a scene that I will say is not for everyone, um, but they do have, um, they do have these satanic orgies. There is a, a demon present watching over the satanic orgies. What year was this? 1971. Okay, so this is, okay. yeah, this, this is, Hey, we can do whatever we want. Let's see. Let's push. Yep. Let's push the envelope. Seventy-one, seventy-two are full of these kinds of things where it's like mm-hmm. probably yeah, really at the uh, apex of sort of the exploitation boom. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, it's 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 totally worth watching. I know this is uh, they they of course spent a lot of time talking about it in the context of the movie I already mentioned, uh, Woodland's Dark Days. They they spent a ton of time. In oh, fact, that's the, okay. the 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 main image that they're using to to hype Woodland's Dark Days is from uh, it's it's Blood the it's the Blood main of Satan's Claw. Blood of Satan's Claw from 1971. Go go get Blood on Satan's Claw. Blood on Satan. Okay. Yes, ah, okay. on. Yes, different preposition. Yep. On Satan's Claw. <laughs> All right. On Satan's Claw. 1971. Go get it. Get it. So I'm staying in the uh, the Emerald Isle for my uh, my first pick here. Uh, this is the 2015 movie The Hollow, H A L L O W, directed by Corin Hardy. Also, he did The Nun. We'll forgive him for that for the moment. <laughs> and he's also got something wow. called Abominable that is, I believe, about the Abominable Snowman, which is in production right now. Um, so this is not all fairy folk are friendly. Um, <laughs> Adam, Claire, and their baby boy, Finn, have moved into a cottage deep in the Irish woods. Adam's a botanist, and he's studying some strange fungal growths that he found in the area. And you, you get introduced to him because he's carrying his uh, baby Finn in the round in a backpack, and he's stumbling around these, these ruins of an old uh, uh, Irish uh, cottage. Uh-huh. And there is a, a deer that is dead, and it's just been blown out from the, from the inside, and it's just oozing nasty fungus stuff. And he goes, that's weird. Um, and, uh, when he, when, when Adam and Claire go into town to do their, some errands, uh, the local villagers warn them of the fairy folk of the woods and that they are mischievous and wicked. They're violent and they are shapeshifters and they are baby stealers. <laughs> so watch your boy. Um, okay. it baby doesn't, stealers. it doesn't take long before strange well, things start happening stealers. around the family as they start settling into their, their house deep in the woods. Um, it's like the, there's like vandals that start attacking it, like throwing rocks to their windows. But of course, it's not vandals. There's little goblins in the mm-hmm. woods that are saying, "We don't want you here, and we want your boy." And uh, there, and when when you know Adam is a scientist, and so he's not inclined to believe, and he's, it's like, "All right, who's doing this?" You Wait, know. is it is it set in present day? Modern, yeah. Okay, it is. Modern, okay. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Because the next thing that he does is he takes his truck uh-huh. 
<laughs> out into the uh, to do some field research, and uh, all of a sudden he just it just starts getting pelt, pelted with gobs of mold and fungus, and and the the fairy folk are assaulting his vehicle, and then it starts the 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 truck starts shaking and just getting getting uh, kicked around by a bunch of these unseen. Unseen goblin things. Do they do they show them though, or are they, they truly unseen? No, they they eventually they show up. Okay, but, but okay. initially okay. it's like it, it is what's going on, and right. it's like you know it could be teenage teenage punks, uh, but the the, t- the local townsfolk go no, these this is the fa- it's the fae folk, and um, <laughs> and it doesn't take long before the hollow folk to descend on the house to try and steal baby Finn, and and so uh, Adam and Claire stick Finn in a in a uh, in a cupboard, lock uh-huh. it, and and take their shotgun and just try and, and they're, they're, it's, it becomes sort of a bit of a home invasion, except for they're being assaulted by goblins and uh, okay. the but they they don't succeed goblin abduction. the goblin goblins they open up the the, the 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 up the cabinet starts rattling around and Claire opens it up and a goblin's got a hold of their kid snuck managed to get into the cupboard without them knowing it uh-huh you, you and, keep those goblins out and uh, they they take the boy and head for the woods now uh, it that that is that's about the in the second act yeah and and uh, they pursue the the goblins, and they find baby Finn floating in a pond, and they snag Uh-oh. him. Changelings. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like you're not sure. It's like one of the parents goes, "It's my boy," and the other parent goes, "That's not him." And mm-hmm. it's and the leprechaun. And it's like, and it's like we gotta <laughs> we gotta find we have to find. It's like in one of so so uh, uh, Claire wants to take to to take the boy and 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 leave, and Adam wants to. To, to chase down the goblins, and so that's that that leads to a, just a continued frantic chase, full of crazy twists and turns. Um, and a minor spoiler alert: this is a bit of a horror tragedy. Ooh, Aww. it's really Aww, intense, and it's, an, and it's and it's got a, and it lands some pretty na- pretty heavy emotional blows. Uh, the goblins Aww. are really creepy, and it's worthy of fairy tale nightmares. This is these are the goblins. That your grandmother, if you were, if if you were in the old country, yeah, 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 that would have been. It's like don't go into the woods, or them goblins will get you. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that's okay. that was uh, clearly evident. That that, that you know that was a, a, actually an excuse probably for kidnappings and or just children who disappeared was, oh, it must have been you know the goblins took them. So anyways, now, now the poster oh, has sure. like like a like a wicker man like uh, thing on fire. You, that is. That do you is. See, do you see the Wicker Man thing on fire? You see that at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's, it's that's, like the the Yotun. Yeah. There's something like where they throw it to you at the end. Something going. You're going to get this. Movie. It's at the yeah. end. Yep. All right. So that was my number one. Okay. Liz, what's your number two from the Ben Wheatley All right. School? Well, ben Wheatley I'm School glad film. you talked about uh, botanists and studying fungi because I'm going to jump over to 2020. Yep. to Ben Wheatley's latest film, and that is In the Earth. Um, okay, so Ben Wheatley wrote this during the pandemic and made this during 15 days during lockout while the rest of us were just like baking bread and binging <laughs> Netflix. He did this. So, um, okay, Earth is like a companion to Field 
in England, but it's set now. And a story of Martin, played by Joel Fry, who's a scientist who, in the midst of a global pandemic, needs to go out into the woods and do this uh, routine equipment run where his ex-lover, Dr. Olivia Wendell, um, has been conducting research, but has recently gone silent. And he's accompanied by a park ranger named Alma because it's a multi-day trek out there. So we've got some traditional horror tropes when someone even warns them that people get weird out in the forest. And trust me, it's about to get weird. So uh, deep in the forest, their camp is ransacked, all their equipment is damaged, and their shoes are stolen. So shoeless, tired, and totally freaked out, they run into Zach, who is played by uh, Reese Shearsmith, also from uh, Field in England, who offers them food, shelter, and shoes. But, of course, this is not hospitable. Um, he also sedates them, dresses them in robes, and begins to take very creepy folk <laughs> horror photos of them. Um, the two manage to escape, but not for long. And uh, after some, you're going to get a little bit of body horror in here. Someone might lose, you know, some toes. Uh, they finally find... And she's conducting her research, and she thinks that all the plant life is connected through like a neural network. And she's out there trying to help cultivate crops. But to Zach, who the weird guy who also happens to be her ex-husband, he thinks they just need to make sacrifices to the local folk legend nature god Parnag Feg. So now we've got <laughs> science on one side, this crazy dude with like folk you know, beliefs on the other side. And these two people, the research assistant and pretty much the trip guide are trapped in the forest by a fog of mushroom spores that causes anybody to inhale them to completely trip out. And then I put in my review, communing with nature ensues. So this is um, Ben Wheatley to the Wheatliest of Wheatleys. Uh, you everything Wheatley likes he loves. his mushrooms, eh? <laughs> Wheatley likes his mushrooms. Um, so this is also kind of a gateway, but this would be for more of your horror fan because we're going to get some really weird body horror and, you know, cringeworthy moments. But it goes really, really, really good with a field in England, watching them back to back nice. while completely different. They're almost exactly the same. You know, they have like all the same beats, but that's Wheatley. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, love Ben Wheatley. Wheatley Beats. Yep. Uh, Wheatley Beats. I I think that might <laughs> be <Beats. laughs> that might be another good podcast name. Uh, shoeless, shoeless, so. hungry and freaked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many ideas that right. are coming down the pike. I know we are just gonna so many. All right, All right Mike. What uh, you got? Uh, this is a 1983 film that I had to watch on VHS. Because there was no, there is no known copy other than VHS copies available, except for the fact that uh, this is going to be. I think this is going to be at the uh, Nightstream Film Festival, and it's getting a 4K release here this fall. Wow. So it's so if you see it coming up on YouTube, it's not Mike Campbell pirating. And no, it is it not. YouTube. But you can get no. it on. You can watch it on YouTube. Although I started watching it on YouTube, and I'm like. I'm not sure this is the right film. I'm going to go to the video store and get the VHS copy just to make sure. And, well, the, the one on YouTube was, in fact, the right one. This is uh, a, a very ambitious idea gone haywire. It's as if the scarlet letter was zoomed into the future and collided with a movie version of The Exorcist. This is 1983's Eyes of Fire. Uh, this is an, Okay. This is an independent film directed by a guy named Avery Krauts. 
Don't ask me if he's done anything else because I have no idea. Uh, it takes place in the 1700s on the American frontier, and this I am here to tell you also is uh, the 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 progenitor progenitor for the witch. The witch was a total ripoff of okay, this film. Okay, wow. Oh. Uh, basically, involves a, a group of pioneers who escape persecution. Oh, uh, and their preacher is accused of adultery and polygamy, and so they decide to leave the nest and and uh, strike out for native lands and go find native lands. And as soon as they go out into the woods and go find native lands, things get super weird super fast. Um, the the um, There is, along with the group, the preacher, and there's, there's a handful of folks... I will say, I will say this in watching the VHS copy, and now I'm excited to watch the 4K copy when it comes out this fall because in watching the VHS copy, it was so goddamn blurry and <laughs> and so hazy. I was having a difficult time following some of the characters, um, and especially when you're watching a VHS copy on a 4K TV, it gets a little yeah, it gets a little funky, but. Uh, there is a woman that is along with the party who leaves leaves the nest and strikes out for native lands, more prosperous native lands, who is, she's sort of portrayed as insane, but it's clear she is some sort of, uh, sort of like witch type empath where she has the ability to sort of like, sort of see glimpses of the future and, um, so it's got that kind of an element to it. So I'm it's, not afraid of her. No, she's uh, she's just kind of she's just kind of a little a little weird, a little odd. Uh, but yeah, they're they're not not particularly afraid of her because she doesn't do anything you know malicious or or, or uh, evil. So you've the thing that's interesting about it, you've got this kind of weird sort of witchcraft piece running through it. Then you have this sort of weird, almost Lovecraftian piece, and then you have kind of this weird kind of treatment of sort of Native American traditions and Native American rituals, mm. kind of running through it. Um, eventually, the Native Americans uh, they drop off uh, a uh, at their their new settlement. They drop off a Native American baby for them, and it turns out to be this sort of weird demon <laughs> baby that switcheroo. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a switcheroo. Um, it's uh, it's a really it isn't a really interesting film. I think it's probably a little bit of a deeper dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, into folk horror than than I think a lot of the films we're talking about. Uh, it's it's probably I wouldn't say it's a, a gateway into folk horror. As I say, it is right. it is something of a deeper dive. The thing that's interesting about it though is I liked a lot of what they did with sort of the realizations of some of the sort of some of the ghosts and the apparitions and the the visions that the people were having. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I think. I, I think The Witch is a really good film. I, I do have problems with some of the elements of The Witch, but I was like... Like the last one and a half minutes? Well, yeah, th- that for sure. <laughs> but but I was thinking, my gosh, this like if if The Witch had actually pulled forward some of the things that this, this um, Avery Krause had done in Eyes of Fire... I think it actually could have made it a better film. And the other wow. thing, the other thing that struck me too, as I was watching it for a lot of these films, like Bl- uh, blood of Satan's claw and eyes of fire. And the last film I'm going to get to in a little bit, all of these films, all of these folk horror films could easily be remade and could easily be improved. 
Mm, okay. Well, yeah. I think it all. I, I think it ha- as you're saying, it has been redone because the, the well, yeah, the, yeah. The witch, the witch, yes, the it, witch it, is it, a ripoff, yes. Well, I, you know, it's it's close. Rip, rip-offs, it's rip-offs, close. rip-offs, a little. It's a little terse, but it's it's a ripoff. But it follows. It, it's a it's a remake of sorts. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. All right, Eric, what is your second film of the night? So my, uh, I've got another 2015 film here, and this is a French film uh, directed by, by Matteo Garon. Um, but it's actually an English production by this director, uh, and it's uh, it's very much a once upon a time kind of a, a folk horror thing. This is Tale of Tales, oh. uh, oh, yeah, uh, starring Salma Hayek, Vincent Cassel, Toby Jones, <laughs> and John C. Riley. So right. a number of people you recognize big, from Hollywood, big time. Uh, and this, this is, is big a time horror, carefully woven fairy tale horror anthology. It's visually spectacular. It looks like a fairy tale. It's sort of the hyper-exaggerated sets, but it actually filmed it in three actual castles in Italy. What? So one, it's oh, not cool. just one castle, not two, three castles three. in uh, uh, and all over the countryside. And and um, it reminds me a bit of the Company of Wolves and how sort of the how how stylized it is. Um, mm-hmm. And they utilize a lot of things like. Um, Circus performers and things like that to make it even with in, in colorful costumes to exaggerate sort of the nuttiness of it, and then it huh. also introduces and it's it's got some really you know you you, you look at it and it goes oh it's kind of um, you know fairy taleish but it is full of sex and gore and violence and savagery oh. and uh, this is this is weird I'm gonna I'm gonna admit this uh, right here right now yep. I've never seen this film I've never even heard of it yep. Really? It has a picture of Selma Hayek like eating a heart yes. as the uh, yeah. Cover. That is, Honestly, so, I've never I ne- this one like completely, completely bo- got past yeah, it. just you know, completely got past for me. For a yeah. man who who likes to deep dive, yeah, uh, I know this, this huh. one. Um, All right, now I'm so interested. The enchanted, but I, what I would say is Hank is not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, it starts off with the the first one is is called the Enchanted Doe, and um, this is the Queen of Long Trellis. Salma Hayek is covetous of a child and is miserable with the thought of being infertile. Uh, and, a, and she and her husband are, you know, the, it opens with a, 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 troubadour, a bunch of troubadours doing these fantastic, I mean, it's a great circus performance. They're doing some really crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and then the, one of the, the clowns shows up and she's, she shows like, oh, she's pregnant. And then it just sends the queen just furious. <coughs> she goes off aside. And then so we realize, okay, she's just driven mad. By and obsessed with having a child. And then one night, a strange man offers a quest that will bear her a child. Birth is always stained by death, and death in turn is but one element of birth, he tells her. A sacrifice is needed. Slay a sea monster, cut out its heart, have it cooked by a lone virgin, and when the queen eats the heart, that's too she much. will become that's too much work. Okay. instantly pregnant. <laughs> that's too. That's too much work. There's there's easier ways to get pregnant. Right. Um, apparently, the the easy way has not worked. So yeah. So go kill a sea monster, cut out its heart, and eat it. <clears throat> deal. Bad deal. Bad deal for the king, John C. Riley, um, who goes to battle with the sea monster and is killed. But he succeeds in the mission. He kills the sea monster. And they cut the sea monster's heart out, and uh, queen, uh, the queen, the queen consumes the heart and becomes fully pregnant overnight. Gives birth to the child the next day, but so does the virgin cook. Also has 
Get, she has a sea monster she, baby too. She has a twin sea monster baby. <laughs> what? And the boys are sort of identical twins of the same father, but with two different mothers. Whoa! It's kind of weird, and we follow them into their teenage years, where they develop a strange symbiotic relationship that scares the queen, who realizes that she will lose the love of her boy to this estranged brother, and she takes drastic and sinister action to prevent them from being together. It doesn't go well. The second story is called The Flayed Old Lady, where a skeevy and lecherous king of Strongcliff, played by Vincent Cassell, hears the melodious singing of Dora, a woman from the town below, unknowing that the voice belongs to a spinster washerwoman. And you can see he's been, like, bedding, like, all these, you know, clearly, like, lingerie model types. Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and then he, but he hears this beautiful voice, and he assumes that beautiful voice belongs to a beautiful woman. And he goes down and knocks on their door and says, the king demands an audience. And, and they, they get all, uh, all a flutter, but they're just old, old maids at this point and yeah. just kind of haggard old ladies. And they, they trick him eventually into letting one of the, the, them go and into his bedchamber. Right. And when the morning comes, he wakes up and he sees an old woman and he freaks out and, he tell, and the, the guards take the old woman and throw her out the window over a cliff. Ooh. And, and she goes, no, you invited me. It's like, <laughs> out the window you go. And, uh, but, she, but because she was wrapped in the linens of a bedcloth, she's caught in the branches of a tree. A witch comes in, finds her, and lets her suckle what? her breast, and she becomes a beautiful young woman. It doesn't go well from there. <laughs> okay. And then okay. the last story. Witches and sea monsters, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the strangest story, this is the King of High Hills, which is Toby Jones. He becomes obsessed with the appearance of a flea, which he nurtures and cares for until it reaches gargantuan size, about the size of a pig. He's the most okay. awkward of men, neglecting all of his responsibilities, including his relationship with his teenage daughter, who has her start on finding a suitor. After his beloved flea dies of old age, he has it skinned and used as a challenge for a potential suitor for his daughter, for which anyone who correctly guesses who what what the hide was from gets to marry his his daughter. Okay. After his flea dies of old age. Yes. <laughs> so many try to guess, but they fail. Eventually, a hulking ogre demands a chance to know the hide, and he guesses it right by smell. This thing the side this hide the yeah, side yeah, yeah. goes it's a flea and, okay. and so congratulations you get to marry an ogre who he treats her just like he just beats her up and just it's, what? it's, 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 it's uh, horrible so it's not shrek then. no it's not a shrek ogre. <laughs> this, is, this is an ogre who just wants to manhandle her and it doesn't go well so tale of tales feels like a true set of failed fairy tales right where and 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 it's told because it's a, a an anthology it's like reading, you know, opening up a, st- a storybook. It's like once upon a time, and then they all, all the stories come crashing together at the end. It's really beautifully woven together. Uh, it's kind of this underseen gem. It's it's weird. It's a weird movie. Um, I, I is, never heard of it. It's it's like a drunken fairy tale fantasy. What 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 what, what, what uh, percentage would you assign uh, to fantasy versus horror? Seventy percent ah. fantasy, thirty percent oil okay. horror. Okay, so um, so it's more of a fantasy film, right? It's because I mean, everything you were describing st- sounded kind of fantasy. I mean, it is sea monster babies and witches aside, yeah, and ogres <laughs> and ogres, yeah. And there, but there is a lot of killing. Yeah, um, there is a lot of horrible things done to otherwise good people. A lot of save this for horror things. or not. Yep. 
Save it for horror now. Yeah. We might get back to it. Yep. Okay. But it does say on IMDb, it says fantasy horror. Okay. So okay. I say if IMDb says it is, who am I to argue? Well, yeah, in that uh, order. Us. In that order. In that order. It's yes. fan- fantasy. No, it is fan- it is it is certainly fantasy horror. But yeah. I I thought it was fascinating. Just yeah, yeah. It. Oh, it sounds like it for sure, for sure. Liz, third Ben Wheatley. All right. <laughs> my number one pick. And this is even if I wasn't just doing Ben Wheatley, this would be my number one folk horror pick. Uh, it's probably not going to be a surprise. Eleven. It is my number five uh, in my top twenty-five horror films, and it could probably go to four. I haven't seen Hostel in a while. That's what it's behind. So, um, <laughs> okay. I watched Kill List like four times this week. Uh, hey, what? <laughs> uh, I did. I did. I did. I love this movie so much. And every single time I watch it, I think like, could I figure out the ending? There's no fucking way. So anybody <laughs> who says like, oh, I figured out the ending, they are lying to you. Okay. So this is the story of Jay and Gal. And Jay is played by... Michael Smiley, who we just saw a couple films ago in a field in England, and they are um, former soldiers who have become hitmen since they left the military. And something went wrong on a mission that they had in Kiev, so they hadn't worked in a while. So when Gal comes over for dinner with his girlfriend named Fiona at um, Jay's house, he says, like, hey, man, I got this, like, one job. It's going to pay big. Do you want to do it? So if there's anything we know, it's like, don't ever do that. (laughs) Too good to be true. Too good to be true. So there are these two dudes just talking about whether or not they're going to do this hit. Meanwhile, Fiona, who is Gal's uh, girlfriend, is hanging out with Jay's wife, Shell. Everything, everybody's drinking and having fun until Fiona goes into the bathroom and um, turns around the bathroom mirror and start carving symbols into it, picks up a napkin that you know Jay had thrown away from a shaving accident, tucks in her pocket, and walks out. They don't talk about that again. Okay, so now they're going to like do the priest, the librarian, the MP, and the hunchback. And as they start doing these hits, really strange things are happening. Like, they go to kill the priest, and he thanks them for killing him. Um, (laughs) They go to kill the librarian, and he's, like, expecting them and things like that. Um, So as they move through, when they go to kill the MP... They go to this like country house, and of course, around in the back of the house, there's this like crazy pig and folk ritual going on. Right. And Jay, <laughs> you know, of course, because you know, why wouldn't there be? <laughs> uh, and Jay kind of uh, freaks out and starts killing the cultists, not just the MP who who's set there to uh, do the hit on. And, and, and for then, those, of those, for those of you not in the know, this is Member of Parliament MP. Yes. Yeah, oh, yes, sorry, yes, yes, yes. Member of Parliament, yep. Um, I just assumed everybody is, you know, British like I am after watching Kill List five <laughs> times. <laughs> um, okay, so then we've got our last chapter that's The Hunchback, and I really don't want to talk about it, but um, yeah. Jay kind of wakes up when the cultists have taken him captive and he has to perform like a final killing and this ending there is literally no way anybody saw this coming it doesn't it's so crazy and it takes this movie from a like oh my god what the heck action 
into one of the saddest movies you have ever seen in your it, entire life. It will make you weak at the end. Yeah. Liz, Liz yeah. I don't know which is more disturbing, The Hunchback or the fact that you saw this four times this week. Yeah. I am now like to the point where this movie is just soothing to me. I don't know. Like I am not crying yourself know. to sleep soothing. I do. It is. It is uh it's tough. But every time you watch it, you catch a new detail. So I'm really like trying to put the pieces together on how I, they get I, to this ending. I, I and think, I still can't though. Oh no, absolutely not. And if anybody tells you otherwise they're yep. they're crazy. Yeah. No, I yeah. I still go back to, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast, I remember after seeing Hereditary, and I was talking to somebody about Hereditary, and they said, oh, no, Hereditary is Hereditary, yeah. okay. Yeah. you got to see The go Kill see List. Kill It'll list. blow your mind. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, Hereditary is a good film. And I was like, oh, maybe not. Yeah. Kill List is- no, Hereditary is a great film. Yeah. But I, I, think is- I was like, Kill List is <laughs> yeah. like in a class by itself. Like, this is a really amazing film. Uh, yeah, yes. and with, with one of the great twists- Without it's an earned one hundred percent earned built up twist. Oh my yeah. God, is it ever? And, yeah, and and one yeah. that will just you know I th- I think that the the comparisons to Hereditary is it has that moment which takes your breath away. Right. Um, right. It, right. They right. happen at different yeah. times yeah. in the movie. Yeah. But they they both have the ability just to feel like someone just punched you in the solar plexus. Oh yeah. So. This one just feels like you got beaten with a bat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> so. But it Indeed. is. I, I think it is remarkable how you're. Your feelings and associations with, uh, with with the the hero or erstwhile yeah, hero, Jay, Jay, yeah. Jay is turns, um, you know, as the movie develops. Once you realize that something, that there's something more sinister than being an assassin, right? Is, is, is <laughs> right, happening. right. Uh, yeah, no, it's an it's an incredible movie. It is one of those. Um, it you you got to be ready for a dark time though. It's it's a it is a it's so dark. It's, it's a it's, it's a rough so, go, but it so is brilliant, dark. absolutely brilliant. We got to get Kill List on the top one hundred. Come on, it's it was on the top one hundred. It's was not. It? it has to be on. It was on the top one hundred. Was it? Yeah. It's, Are you sure? I'm pretty I, sure. We'll have to go back and check uh, check on it. Yeah. But you know what? Next year, so next year we'll we'll have done four years of scariest things. We're and doing it's time it again. We can get House of the Devil on there. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If if anybody other than Mike will actually vote for it, <laughs> right? I will. There you we'll go. get it there. There you go. We get, we we have sway. All right. Well, speaking of All right, ha- cool. Speaking Mike, of what's ha- your number one? Houses and Devils. Speaking of House of the Devil, this is a 1967 horror film. Uh, no, this has nothing no, to do with House of the Devil. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe this is a 1967 Soviet horror film called what? V called V or Spirit of Evil. And as I was watching this, I was like, I don't think I've ever watched a Russian horror film, A. Really? Uh no, I don't think so. And I certainly haven't ever talked about one in at the podcast. I mean maybe I've seen a Russian horror film. There was that was that one that was famous in the early two thousands after something. Uh, I can't I think anyway. Nightwatch? Did you ever Nightwatch. watch those? Nightwatch, yeah. The Nightwatch yeah. series, yeah. Uh, which are really good, and I like those, and those are definitely horror films. But uh, this is a, a pretty interesting horror film. If you type in the words, um, if you if you type in the words folk horror into the Google machine, V will come up. I think pretty pretty often okay. on those on hor- on folk horror lists. Never heard of this one. Um, Me neither. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's actually a throwback to a, a sort of a, a Russian folk tale from I think the 1600s, and I went and looked up the Russian folk tale, and it follows the the movie follows the Russian folk tale 
fairly closely, fairly, fairly closely. It involves a, a class of seminary students, uh, three seminary students who are sent home on a vacation, and as they're wandering home, they, uh, in the middle of the night, they spot a farmhouse, and they ask if they can stay in the farmhouse, and it's this old, 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 old woman, and she she agrees to let them stay in the farmhouse. Hmm. The, the three of them bed down for the night. The one guy beds down in the uh, in the barn and then the old woman comes in and tries to seduce him. And she's like, she's like King old, right? She is old, Mm -hmm. old, old queen old, I guess she's queen old. And she's trying to seduce this guy. And he's just, he's not having any of it. Uh, the, the character, um, the, the character, uh, coma Brutus, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but I think his name is coma Brutus. Anyway, she eventually doesn't seduce him per se, but, convinces him to climb onto her shoulders and uh or she climbs onto his shoulders rather Sounds and like- starts flying was, yes flying away and he is understandably freaked out about the fact that this old woman is on his shoulders and they're flying, flying through the crunch yeah. flying through the countryside was there a mortal and a mortise and pestle? Uh, no, but the thing that's crazy about it is he. They eventually land, and then he beats the crap out of her, which oh, was really hell. kind, of, really kind of off-putting. The old, <laughs> the old woman. I mean, much like the fairy tale that you just described, wasn't an old woman. Right. It Baba was, Yaga or something. Yeah, it, like it, that. it was. Yeah, it something. was a beautiful young woman. Oh. Fast forward a couple of weeks. He's back at the seminary. They get a call or. A message, and it says this young the, the family of this young woman wants you. You were name requested to come back to the village, and watch over her body. Apparently, this is some sort of Russian ritual, where you right. watch over the body for three nights, and you say prayers and incantations to ward off the evil spirits. And he Dang. does. He goes there for three nights, and each night he goes there, she rises from the grave and. It participates in all sorts of really strange witchery. Uh, wow, this, this is out of Soviet Russia. Soviet Russia, yeah, 1967. Eventually, he um, he gets drunk. He has to get drunk every night because he's so goddamn terrified to go into the church and watch over the body. And so he's going into the church every night, and he is just drunk as a skunk. On the final night, it is... It is witches and demons and ghouls and ghosts and everything you can imagine come out of the woodwork. And it's really effectively strange and off-putting. In the the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, uh, the the fellow who wrote it said, this is a colorful, entertaining, and genuinely frightening film of demons and witchcraft that boasts some remarkable special effects by Russia's master of cinematic fantasy, Alexander Pluchko. The director of this film is Konstantin Yershov and Georgi Karapachev. I know I'm butchering that, but yeah, check out, check Georgie, out. if you're listening to the podcast. Yes, I'm <laughs> so sorry. Yes, we'd love to have you on. I know you're, I know you're 115 years old right now. And you're in a uh, gulag in Siberia, but we would love to have you on the podcast. Um, the uh, this also much like the other two films I talked about, Blood on Satan's Claw, which you can get the Blu-ray for, and um, uh, Eyes of 
Fire, which will soon have a 4K release. This one is also on available on Blu-ray, and it looks really, really good. So Mike is doing the anti-streaming selection show. Yes, the anti-streaming right. selection show. Actually, V, you can see all you can see V on Shutter. Oh, there you go. I'd, oh, really? I'm fascinated. Okay. You can see V on Shutter. You can't see Blood on Satan's Claw is like goddamn impossible to get. Um, yep. As is. Um, as is uh, Eyes of Fire, but most of them will be available here very soon, if not already. All right. Your number one oh. selection for Folk Horror is... I'm going to go to, without a doubt, my number one. I think uh, Mike talked about getting to the mountaintop. Right. Mine, I believe, trumps that Uh-oh. <laughs> by a long yard. Uh-oh. But before I get there, I'm going to list the other ones that, so I, that we've sort of we've touched on just slightly or that I was considering... Uh, there's the ritual, yeah, which has mm-hmm. the Yotun crazy creature right. in the woods. Yotun, yeah, fairly recent it. movie, Troll Hunter, yeah, Oni uh, Baba, yeah. Uh, there's the the Mermaid Tale. Did you my did mind. you see the the re, the the Oni Baba the recent one? The yeah on, on the on the I seen the Criterion version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, not the it's the old the old oh okay the old, the old Oni Baba from yeah, the yeah. 1960s. Oh okay, not the not the new one. No, I haven't. I didn't oh know oh no, new. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Baba Yaga. You're talking about the Japanese Oni, film yeah, Oni, Oni, Oni Baba. Baba. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about Oni Baba when we talked about uh, J Horror. J Horror. I because yeah. I talked about yeah. that one. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Wolfman, classically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Witchfinder General talked yeah. about that. Yep. The Wicker Man also yep. talked about that. Yep. Hagazusa, which we yeah. talked about with the about witches. Kwaidon, yeah, which I've talked about, yeah. which yeah. is a beautiful fairy yeah. tale Japanese dark, yep, dark yep. fantasy. Uh, Gretel and Hansel, which I think was a better movie than some of the critics actually put out there. Mm-hmm. The Vavitch, yeah, uh, Rare Exports, yep, Christmas, oh God, cri- Christmas Santa yeah, Claus Christmas horror, horror, yeah, um, yeah. The Company of Wolves, which which uh, yep. Liz had also name dropped. Uh, a a movie called Headhunter, which is uh, almost a a non it's not a silent movie but there's very little talking in it uh but that that's one um and a, an american movie or american prairie west uh, uh folktale the wind oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. so those were all things that i had sort of been sort of mulling about but i could not do this without going to pan's labyrinth oh interesting 2006 mm, directed interesting. by guillermo del toro huh. uh, you left out both of ari aster's films though i thought you were gonna say oh yeah no that's that's true <laughs> yeah well i don't think hereditary is so much but uh a midsummer is absolutely folk horror yeah and it's, and it's, it, and it's sort it, of it's showing up on all the folk horror yeah, lists it's, I, I figured it's yeah. like yeah that's 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 where if you're interested in folk horror that might have been your starting point because you've Pan's seen Midsummer. labyrinth eh? okay Pan's labyrinth uh, it's one of Guillermo del Toro's many masterpieces. Uh, this is his fable and uh, uh, analogy of the horrors of war, tyrants, and intolerance, but uses folkloric legends to serve as the vehicle of fear, violence, and wonder. It's uh, the Spanish War of Revolution in 1944, and the young and imaginative Ophelia and her pregnant mother Carmen are moving to the estate of Carmen's new husband, the dastardly Captain Vidal, who cares not for clever little girls. Uh, Ophelia meets and befriends the housemaid of Captain Vidal, who is, uh, unbeknownst to Captain Vidal, actually an underground rebel conspiring behind his back. And um, there is a big, there's a labyrinth, an ancient labyrinth in the back of the estate, and Mercedes informs Ophelia that not to go back there because dark fairy folk uh, 
are are known to reside there and right. for her own safety stay out of it. But of course, Ophelia, she 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 came armed to her new house with a bunch of of fairy tale books. She and she has triggered the release of a fairy that looks like a giant praying mantis and then right. sort of morphs into a a fairy creature who in in turn brings her into the labyrinth and down into the 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 bowels of this uh this maze let's just call it, let's just call it hell it was yeah it's kind <laughs> of it, it's it's hell like because it, it it is the under the underworld right um and uh and there she meets uh pan or right. a giant fawn right. played mm-hmm. by the amazing Doug Jones who does multiple du- double duty in this thing he plays a bunch of the creatures because he's so damn skinny um, but uh, the fawn tells Ophelia that she is actually the long lost princess Moana, not that Moana. <laughs> and in, Moana, and what have you it's, done? It's like, she's the Hawaiian spirit. No, uh, and in order to, for her to return to the underworld, she needs to finish three tasks: one, find a giant toad, feed it mag- three magical stones, and get a key from its belly; two, once she gets the key, invade the lair of a monster, the Pale Man, and retrieve a golden dagger. Don't eat from the feast on the table. And three, provide the fawn the blood of an innocent child who would ostensibly her newborn baby brother, and then she can enter the kingdom of heaven and take her rightful place on the throne and become princess once again. So this is all for a little girl who very much... Also this, seems this complicated. Like, it's very complicated, <laughs> but it is it, it, the story... When you see it, it is it is seamless. Yeah, yeah, this is master storytelling. This is some of the, and and it's riveting. And and actually, in truth, the monsters. There are many monsters, in, in, including one of our, actually our final eight monsters from our, our showdown, the Pale Man, made, made the Elite Eight. Yeah, uh, it is a <laughs> creep. One of the creepiest ass monsters you'll ever see. Um, it's the eyes in its hands, and it's a child mm-hmm. eater, and it's uh, it's. It, it's this ugly, wicked thing. But the real monster is Captain Vidal, who goes out there and he's just he's just murdering and just bludgeoning these poor uh, re- uh, rebels uh, mercilessly. War is hell, Eric. War yeah. is hell. Yeah, war is hell. <laughs> and this was and, and that and actually Guillermo del Toro later on said that the pale man represent represents all the anger and racism and fascism in the world. Right, 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 and, right. Uh, it's sort of this fascinating. If you listen to Guillermo del Toro, he, he, will, he will go on. It is, it, he does lots of thoughtful movies, but this may be his most thoughtful. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Alice in Wonderland, but you know, when you ask, is this a horror movie? It's absolutely, there's, there are definite strong horror undertones because the director loves his horror. And he yeah, goes, yeah. And there are horror beats in this one where I think Tale of Tales, the beats aren't quite, in the same place that you would find in a horror movie, but this yeah, one yeah. has all the built up of dread and darkness and that kind of stuff. Right, 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 right. Anyways, mm-hmm. this is—it's uh, tragic. It's wonderful. It is one of the one of the best fantasy movies you will ever see, and it goes right up there with Lord of the Rings in my mind. It's and wow, and, uh, wow. Pan's Labyrinth. If you guys have not seen it, I mean, come on, laying down some heavy marks. Is, well, I know. I uh-huh. mean, and you know, I mean, he did. He did Shape of Water, and this is right up there with Shape of Water. It's, wow. It's really... I like that we all, though, interpreted the folk horror... Uh, a little differently. We all have a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is... Mine, mine all has Once Upon a Time built into it. So. You know, when, yeah, I, well, yeah, when yeah, I was watching yeah. uh, Woodland's Dark Days, I remember one of the things I walked away from was, man, this 
this full core definition is mighty goddamn wide. It's, yeah, you can mm-hmm. drive a bus through it. Yeah, and it's like, For well, sure. you can. It includes Ben Wheatley. It includes yep. fantasy, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it includes demons. Apparently, uh, demons and Satanism. Yeah. So that yep. where, where I think I think Mike went to demons and witches and cults. I was like, the only thing it does. The only thing it doesn't include is UFOs. I and went to the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would you know I th- I, I thought it would have been interesting if anybody had gone to crypt crypto kind of things for this uh for for folk horror because those are type legends and lore sure and we'll save crypto mm-hmm. for another day because there's that's a that's a nice broad topic and mm-hmm. i think mike is dying to do a sasquatch horror show hell yeah um so you know i think everybody loves sasquatch sasquatchy and we're from sasquatch country so we're gonna have to do that at some point uh but yeah the the folk horror be, because it's uh, again tied to history and and um and myth and lore i think it can do you can do all kinds of things with it and 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 yet it all i think all of these yep. things fit the definition yeah so, let's yeah. go down our list really quick liz what do you have for your top three folk horror films of all time okay my ben wheatley extravaganza i started with uh, a field in england from 2013 in the Earth from 2021, and topped it off with the best folk horror film of all time, Kill List from 2011. All right. I had Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971, uh, Eyes of Fire from 1983, and V from 1967. And Eric. I went with The Hollow from 2015, H-A-L-L-O-W, <laughs> Hollow, uh, directed by uh, Corin Hardy. And I followed that up with another 2015 film, The Tale of Tales, uh, directed by Matteo Garone. And then uh, the final one is the Guillermo del Toro masterpiece, Pan's Labyrinth from 2006. All right, I'm taking us out with the tagline from Eyes of Fire. When America was young and spirits of evil reigned in a forest of darkness, <laughs> Eyes of Fire, the secret is sleeping. Yes. Oh, I like that one. 